Freddy Stat Go is a completely fan-produced show of the fan-controlled sports and entertainment network. The first ever open-source professional sports league controlled entirely by you, the fans. Now, it's time for the show. Hello, everybody. I hope you had a fantastic weekend, obviously Super Bowl, but obviously you knew that because here we are again on the Freddy Stat Go podcast. I, of course, am Kyle Stathead Sheridan, joined by the illustrious and wonderful smelling Freddy Airmail. Freddy, what's going on with you? I'm, I'm doing well and smelling well, I guess. Yeah, they, uh, hey, what a better, what a great way to live. Doing I well. Did just shower. How'd you know? How'd you know? Uh, you know, it's all in the numbers, baby. We got so much to cover today. We're going to circle back on a few things. We're going to talk about that Super Bowl. The XFL is happening. It's real and it's right around the corner. And also, I'm going to we're going to have a little fun and I'm going to let Freddie here grade out my XFL fantasy draft before we finish it all off with our predictions for the XFL 2023 season. Freddie, what are we circling back on? Well, before we get to the main uh, main substance of the episode, we got some stuff that we got to circle back on. Uh, but I'm going to call an audible, and we're going to rename this segment right here and right now. Oh boy! We've been calling it Circle Back for you know the last few episodes ever since we made it official. But uh, today we're gonna we're gonna start calling it the 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 Fred lines of the past week. The Fred lines. These are your Fred lines. Ring ring ring. That's the Fred line. <laughs> I love uh, it. Uh, uh, first thing first, uh, in the Canadian Football League, the CFL, uh, free agency uh, is, is starting to begin. We're starting to get into the cycle of teams talking to players, but uh, officially signing players begins at noon on the 14th, so tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, but so far, teams have been able to talk to players who have you know, entered free agency for this year. And they've also been able to sign some players who weren't in the CFL this past year. And a couple teams have signed quarterbacks. A couple teams signed quarterbacks today, in fact. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have agreed to terms with former Michigan and Ole Miss quarterback, as well as a former USFLer, Shea Patterson. Ooh. And uh, the Edmonton Elks, who are, are looking to get their first win at home since 2019 this season, uh, have agreed to terms with a quarterback that we've mentioned on their show before. A couple episodes back, we mentioned Vincent Testaverde Jr., yep. son of Vinny. He is an Edmonton Elk now. And uh, there's a lot going down over there. I think we're going to maybe wait for some of the dust to sell before we uh, get into a CFL preview episode, but... Just wanted to share that that's that's going down. Check out their website if you wanna if you wanna see what's what's shaken over there. Um, in in less less positive news, I'll say mm -hmm. uh, it was it was announced last week that uh, fan controlled football season 3.0 is being moved back past its original or or, or past what had been its, its expected kickoff date of May 2023. They're pushing it back. They are going to be playing the first season of fan-controlled hoops before they get to another season of football. Um, I want to know your thoughts on this, Kyle. Well, you know, they are still a young league. 
They are, you know, still getting their footing, and they're a unique league. You know, I think they are still trying to secure some stability. Um, and I think, you know, if if I would rather them push it back and get it right, then you know, try and make it happen. Um, this paves the way for us to take a look at hoops, see what hoops is all about, uh, and then, you know, then we go right into season three. This does, you know, it, it's it's a it's a little it's a little disheartening because you know we were all really excited, but these things yeah. kind of happen. I know that you know. Shout out to the Discord, shout out to the captains for kind of like you know staying optimistic about it. Um, we you know our fan base is pretty strong. I think we're gonna stay behind. You know, everyone working hard over at FCF, but it is a little disheartening. It raises some questions, but ultimately, I think. This is for the best. This allows them to try and, instead of just rush something out, kind of get their ducks in a row and then quack on on to season three. Absolutely, and it sounds like uh, sounds like they maybe had some issues that uh, came up suddenly that they need to, you know, brace themselves for and, and work through. Um, but in terms of, you know, if if whether we get a a good product or a sooner product i i suppose i i'm on i'm on the same page with you oh, yeah. in terms of in terms of I, I would prefer to have a have a good thing a little bit later um it, it's maybe a little bit disappointing if um if if they could have thought of that sooner but with with the possibility that other things came up that weren't in their control then i i, I would say i totally understand this move and i think with what you were saying about hoops also, you know, that, that'll build some excitement, maybe in a, maybe in a cumulative, cumulatively better way than you would get with football coming first, um, because they're expecting that hoops will bring in a pretty big audience, a pretty international audience compared to what football has done. And so, uh, I think maybe, maybe getting that order will help build excitement in a different and ultimately possibly bigger way than what we were lined up for. And uh, we did have sort of a, a third topic that we were thinking about doing for this, for the Fred lines here, but, and, and we were, we were, it was going to be the Super Bowl. We were going to have sort of, sort of quick reactions to what we were, what we had just seen last night. Um, and then, and then you know, we'd have maybe a bigger reaction show later on. But I, th I think we had to make that into, you know, its its own bigger segment of this show, as Kyle alluded to. Oh yeah. So we're going to get into that here. Oh yeah. I mean, so uh, if you aren't aware who played, um, Chiefs Eagles, this is a game that I think a lot of you regular football fans just love. High scoring. Big throws, smart coaching, big plays, you know. Eagles setting the record for most points in a Super Bowl loss. Yeah. Uh, Jalen, like, I, I, I want to start with the losers. I want to start with the Eagles. You know, because mm -hmm. we're stat guys. This is a stat right. podcast. And statistically, the Eagles did everything. Offensively dominant. <laughs> Jalen Hurts going for 304 yards and a touchdown, 70 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. You know, I wanted more out of Miles and Boston and even Kenneth, 
Um, but for some reason, the, the Chiefs just could not stop Jalen from running. And then you got Devontae, the Slim Reaper, with 100 yards. A.J. Brown with 96 yards and a touchdown. Like, they, it really, what surprised me the most was the defense. Because their offense came out to play. They were ready to go. And the, the, this dominant defense going in, no sacks. No INTs. No nothing. Like, it, it, it was a surprise, and, you know, it, it kind of hurt to watch when you just are, like, you watch the Eagles the whole season long, and you're like, wow, these guys are really great. And to see their defense, of all things, just crumble, it's 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 a little disheartening. I mean, we did almost get that 80 points that you were, you were predicting for uh, the total scored. Uh, 38-35 is, what, 73? Uh, uh, so we did almost get to 80, I, and I, I messaged you, you know, oh, yeah. um, I think it was 14 to 14 with 10 minutes to go in that first half, which would have put us on pace for about 80. Um, and I was like, hey, they're, they're going to, they're going to, your, your wish is going to come true. But no, uh, we, we didn't quite get there. Um, one of the things that really struck me, though, was uh, the time of possession um, oh, yeah. discrepancy, especially in that first half. Um, there, there was a point where I think, I think the Chiefs got the ball back with about two and a half minutes left, and even if they had possessed the ball for that whole, uh, you know, two two plus minutes, they would not have had the ball for ten minutes total in the first half. And despite that, the the score was tied. And part of that is that uh, the fumble recovery touchdown that the Chiefs scored. Um, and so it was. It was just kind of a matter of. Even without that, I think the Chiefs were doing a little bit more in terms of a per minute or a per time of possession basis. Um, it did end up being, you know, a close game with with both offenses doing, you know, enough. But I think it really it really ended up coming down to coaching and strategy. Um, especially on that last drive, um, and I, mean, I, know, I know. Reed was people, pulling out. Well, all the people stops. are calling that boring. People are calling that you know, gaming the system. But would you? I, I think it kind of comes down to the same sort of thing we got into maybe a couple episodes ago. You know, would you rather have a bad win or a good loss? You'd rather have a bad win, and I, I don't know if this is necessarily bad so much as. It's the difference between winning in a way that, that is boring and and practical versus doing something a little bit more exciting than they, but then giving the other team more of a chance to come and come and beat you. Yeah. With the um, what we're talking about is uh, uh, specifically on one play toward the end where uh, Jarek McKinnon got the ball and he he kind of ran toward. Uh, the, the left side of the field. Toward, he, he got pretty close to the end zone, and the defense was about just about to just let him walk in. They wanted him to score because then they get the ball back quicker and be able to, to score and strike back. But instead, he slid at about the two-yard line, and that bought the Chiefs a little bit more time because he went down inbounds. What do you I, think about that? I... 
to me, I think Andy Reid just coached his butt off. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about coaching, and I think this was probably and one of like Andy Reid's best coach games. I think the the first Chiefs Super Bowl that they won with Mahomes, I think that was more on that that was a that was a weird one. I'm not, I won't even lie to you, right? That that first one against the Niners that that didn't feel the correct if that i don't know how to explain it i never firmly believed that the niners were going to win that 10 point differential eh, that was nothing that was like he's also faced in this one but like two double digit comebacks and in this one this one felt more like a game this Mm -hmm. one like this and honestly mahomes did did what mahomes does you know scored touchdowns barely missed a throw but the play calling from Andy Reid, I, you know, love Nick Sirianni. I think he was outcoached, and there's nothing wrong with that. Because, yeah. like, a lot of people got to give more credit to the loser of the Super Bowl. I know they're the loser, but that makes yeah. them the number two team in the NFL. And if you're the number two team, yes, you are angry you lost, but you that means that you are more likely to get back. I still believe that the Bengals can get back. Like, obviously, like, the Chiefs just were better coached and i think that was the big difference their offense looked fun it looked exciting um it was like a lot of shorter stuff but like they found a chink in the system of the eagles and they exploited it yes there's not much more you can ask from a head coach than that and if you pull up i I have the espn page for the the win probability graph uh you could probably pull up a bunch of others and you'd probably get something similar where it, it kind of bounced back and forth between it was mostly Eagles for the first three quarters or so. Um, there, there were a couple blitz where the Chiefs were considered more uh, probable winners. But the real turning point in this graph where the Chiefs really never looked back was the 65-yard punt return by Kadarius Toney. Mm. That, that, that brought it back to, I think, the five-yard line. And then they scored pretty quickly from there. There was a, but, um, a lot that the Chiefs like took advantage of. Like, I got yeah. I got a shout out to the Chiefs uh, rookies. You know, we we mm-hmm. everyone talks about Mahomes. You know, everyone talks about Kelsey. I love those guys, but Pacheco coming in, getting a touchdown, his rookie season, winning a Super Bowl. You, you got Kadarius Tony, not a rookie, but coming off of a giant yeah. squad. Getting, yeah. us, getting a he's ring and a touchdown. Sky the teams. He joined the Chiefs uh, even even later in the season than those rookies did. Leo so. Chanel with that sack, I believe it was. Was, uh, was that the sack fumble or was that Chris Jones who did it? Um, I don't remember which one. Let me let me see if I can find. That. Oh, there was, oh, was Kalen Saunders and then mm-hmm. also Leo Chanel. I you, you can't be like all nine. Of uh, I think it's nine. All of their rookies really shined throughout the playoffs, throughout the season, and he, that's just again great drafting, but also great coaching for like getting right. them there, like because driving anytime them, you ha- them. Anytime you have a team that is in kind of reload mode, or where you have question marks in the form of of rookies or new starters, uh. That gives me pause, at least. And despite everything that the Chiefs had outside these these rookies and these new players, I had question marks about 
you know, what was this team going to be able to compete, in, especially in the in how the AFC West looked going into this season. Obviously, now we know that uh, things didn't work out for a couple of those teams. No Tyree, but Hill? I was expect. I was, I was, yeah, no Tyree Kill as well. Um, and so I think it's an even bigger testament to what they were able to do with all the the new pieces that they got going into the season and then in the middle of the season. Um, and on, on another note, uh, Chad Henney announced today that he is retiring. I saw after, that. Good for him. After, after a couple Super Bowl rings now as, as the backup to Mahomes. Made, uh, made, made a bag, got to play football, got even started for, I think, the Dolphins and the Jaguars, and uh, got, mean, to, got to yeah. throw a touchdown in the playoffs. Yeah. And, like, got two, two rings out of it. You know? Right. Good, I, what a way to go out for uh, a really solid backup. You couldn't ask for more from a backup quarterback. Right. Maybe not what he was imagining when he was a sec- second-round pick in 2008. But still a lot more than you could ask for for most people or for where he was at one point, uh, kind of seeming like he hadn't lived up to the expectations of a second-round pick. He still went and, went and you know, was part of a team that won two Super Bowls and made it to another. And that that in itself is an accomplishment. It's not you know the big kind of accomplishment that I think people – really look for but it's something so fun fact i i just realized this the um chad henney won his first super bowl with his backup from miami matt moore they were both on the chiefs i thought that was interesting though there is a there's a there's a topic of discussion around this that i kind of want to get into just a little bit um Mm -hmm. and that is people are saying people are throwing around the goat thing for Mahomes. Calm down. Um, let him let him have more of a career before we start using that. But people are saying that this is the start of a dynasty for the Chiefs. And as a Patriots fan, I think the ruling is three. I think you gotta win three and then you're a dynasty. Yeah. Like, I mean, but he he is, I think, only the second or third quarterback Mahomes is to make three Super Bowls in his first six seasons. Oh, two yeah. of them. I mean, Mahomes is fantastic. This this oh, Chiefs right. team, fantastic. There's no debate on that. But we, I think, have gotten too eager to denounce. I mean, to right. announce the next big thing prematurely. And I, right. I want, I want the Chiefs to just be. I want them right. to like. Even Mahomes was like, "We're not a dynasty yet. We got a lot of work to do. Don't right. be throwing around that, that word." You don't want that mentality as a player, especially. You don't want to get complacent. And so, yeah, stay hungry. As far as as far as anticipating it, yeah, you can anticipate that this is looking like a dynasty in the making, but let's cross that bridge when we come to it. In in terms of, you know, moving forward, I know the Eagles got, like, a lot to do in terms of offseason. There's a lot of guys hitting the free agency, um, mm-hmm. and same with the Chiefs. But I, I, I don't know. I see these two right back in the playoffs. Come, come next, yeah. come next, uh, you know, January, February. Don't be surprised if you see these two in the in the playoffs. I think they got a great coach. I think they got good foundational players. They both have fantastic quarterbacks, absolutely fantastic. I I love 
both of these quarterbacks, I think they're great, and I think they're going to be around for a while. C- couldn't couldn't ask for anything better. Absolutely not. Um, and so we'll be looking forward to that, that in terms of uh, where everything is going next year. We'll start looking ahead to that. But but for another league, football we are is not only over. just getting started. Football is not over, folks. You think it's no. over? Heck no. We got despite the what XFL. the uh, despite what the USFL commercial told you uh, last night during the Super Bowl. You know, was airing the Super Bowl, and they had they have their own league of sorts, the USFL, and they ran a commercial for that, saying that uh, football would be back in a couple months. That is that is not the only time that you uh, are going to get some football here. Oh no! You are going to get some football this weekend, this coming weekend. It's, we're here. We made it, and I'm I'm excited. All fifty one uh, all fifty one man rosters for each team has been announced. Right. They and... just made the adjustment to a uh, fifty one man. I think I don't know if I mentioned that on on a recent episode or not, but. They moved it from 50 to 51 with the stipulation that if you wanted to fill that 51st spot, you would do it with a third quarterback specifically. Ah, like that. Yeah. Some very disheartening cuts, unfortunately, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, these things happen. Um, right. And some of our boys got cut. Right. Uh, the biggest surprise to me was Scary Cherry. I don't know how or why you cut a scary cherry. Uh, is he hitting too hard? Is he is he a little too mean? Does he does he does he ball out too much? Like what? I I I personally, you know, I'm not there. I'm not in the I'm not in the locker room. But to cut Cecil Cherry Vegas, what are you doing? It it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, can, can you understand it? I don't feel like I can understand it from my standpoint. Um, I just oh my god, this is one I just saw right now. Actually, Patrick Smith cut yes. from the Guardians. I, wow. I was just going through um, XFL analyst on uh, Twitter has this Google Doc with. Uh, you... A spreadsheet of of players who are on rosters, and he breaks down not just you know some of the stuff that you'd expect to to look for with these guys like uh, age, height, weight, and if they've been drafted into the NFL or or uh, what what their class was. Um, but he also breaks down their previous experience in the NFL and in other leagues. Shout out to XFL and analyst. So... I didn't know you also followed him, so like. Yeah. Shout, shout, shout him, shout him out. Go give him a. Shout, give him a shout out to you, kid. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's only in high school. Oh dang! Heck yeah! So like, I'll, you, um, you find you can find some smarty pants anywhere you look, and you 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 can get this Google Sheets, uh, this Google mm-hmm. yeah Google Sheets right it, from it, there. In tweet. Yep. Do yourself a favor. Check it out. Look it up. It, it'll you you'll you'll want to do that. But let's um, let's go through this. Looking right now, they have between the eight XFL teams, there are six FCF guys who who are on rosters currently. Actually, no, he, he I think he missed one. Hang on, let me. Oh, he missed um 
he doesn't have a lien marked as a as an FCF alum. Yeah. So there's at least seven. Uh, Bryson Aline is on the Roughnecks, and I guess so is Brandon Silvers. But yeah, if you don't want if you don't want to count Brandon Silvers, I don't blame you. He was there uh, for a game. Yes, Josh Gordon. Yep. From season one is with the Seattle Sea Dragons. Uh, you have Martavis Bryant is on the uh, Vegas Vipers, but of course, the Orlando Guardians have four FCF alums. Those would be DeAndre Francois, Andrew Jamil. Sunday uh, Dang made it. Good for Sunday. Sunday Dang was. I, I don't. I don't know if we've shouted him out before, but uh, I mean, let me props to him. Just and quick side Roman note Tatum about Sunday. Quick, quick yeah. side note about Sunday. Biggest hands I've ever seen. I, I, I swear to God, you, this man's got the biggest hands you've ever seen. And it's incredible. Also, Roman Tatum. <laughs> yes. And so there's, there's still a, a healthy FDF presence on these rosters, not as much as we were maybe expecting on, on draft day or after some of the uh, post-draft pickups. But uh, they're there, and plenty of other guys are also there. Let's you want to let's 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 do like a quick through like notable people through these rosters. Sure, sure. First, like D, starting with DC Jordan Tayamu, uh, absolute uh, stud for Seattle in the first rendition of this. Um, I think he's the clear cut. I think he's the clear cut starter. Um, I believe. I, I hope so. Uh, I think so. Um, I know when we were when we were doing our post draft show, uh, that at that point DC only had Eric Dungey at quarterback. Um, and I was like, okay, that's that's fine, uh, depending on what they put behind him. But I think they put one or maybe two guys ahead of him with Ta'amu and Derek King. Well, Derek King is going to be something spicy. I think they're going to use. Uh, they, I think they're going to use him in some fun packages. Uh, I think he's going to. I think he he can do a lot. I think you can yeah. do a lot of fun plays. I hope they get creative with him. Uh, a name it'll, be, that... it'll be interesting, yeah, because uh, you you don't want to. You, you, no one wants to be a backup, no. even in the NFL. But uh, especially in, in once you get past the NFL and you get into leagues like the XFL, no one wants to be a backup. And so maybe that's one of the ways that DC or you know other teams keep some of their extra quarterbacks happy is is putting them in certain packages. I think the other name that pops out on DC's roster is Puka Williams. I think mm-hmm. he, I think he showed a little bit of shine with the Bengals, and I think honestly he's still a young guy. You know, we're oh, yeah. we're, we're entering twenty twenty three. Dude went undrafted in twenty twenty one. He's still young, only twenty three. This is, I think, the mm-hmm. perfect situation. Like him and Abram Smith are your young guys. I think this is the time that they are going to try and take advantage of and really shine. And I think Puka can do it. I think he's got a lot working yeah. for him. I think he just needs a little bit more like experience and tape to really show the guys, hey, I'm not going anywhere. Right. Do you see anybody on DC's roster that's like jumps out at you? Um I, I remember the name Jaquez Ezard from uh from tracking FCS football. I'm I, I'm pretty sure he was a star um during that, that COVID season when they played in the spring of 2021 yeah. uh I, I remember him putting up 
some pretty big numbers then. And wow. so uh, looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Going on to Seattle. Now, I liked the Battle Hawks in the OG one. and St. Louis. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, St. Louis. I don't know why I'm saying Seattle. It is a little confusing. I mean, STL, those letters are all in Seattle. I, I know why. I know why I said Seattle. <laughs> it's because my boy, my favorite receiver from the 2020 who played for Seattle, Austin mm. Pearl, is on the St. Louis yeah. Battle Hawks. I, I love him. I think he's great. I, I have a... I got a little soft spot for the the five ten West Walkery Julian Edelman types. I think, golly, I I he's getting up there in age. You know, I don't know how much like time he's going to be spending in these alt leagues. I think he just needs a shot at the bigger one. And I think yeah. if he balls out in the XFL, give him give him a shot. You know, give him yeah. one shot. If you need like a slot guy, I think you know he's going to do well. AJ McCarron over at you know, Starter makes me go. Ugh. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, big news on that front came out just a couple of days ago, Ooh. which was that uh, the other allocation, uh, the other allocated quarterback for the BattleHawks, Ryan Willis, uh, asked for his release from the team. Yeah, and then and signed... I'm inclined to believe that that's not not a Brian Scott type of station where he said something different that that wasn't actually the case of what happened. Uh, I, I do think that he, you know, wanted to, wanted to be the starter. And when, when that, when that fell through, he wanted a different opportunity. And so not long at all after that was granted, he signed with the Memphis showboats in the USFL. Yep. And so now they have three quarterbacks over there and he will probably be the front runner in that situation. Uh, I think he has the most experience over there, but we're we're not talking about the the USFL today. No, we uh, we're are talking not. About, but it's we've it's, got. Uh, it is interesting uh, to replace him. To replace him, they they brought in a guy who has not been in football for a while. In fact, I think he was he was trying his hand with a music career uh, the last couple of years. But former Packer and former Arizona State Sun Devil Manny Wilkins. Ooh. Is now in the Battle Hawks quarterback room. Um, so that'll be interesting. Oh, yeah. uh, on the wide receiver, on on that note, I have kind of a soft spot for someone who is very much not the 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 slot receiver type of guy. I have a, I have a I have a bit of a soft spot for Iowa State. My older sister is actually an Iowa State graduate, oh. and so. Uh, I really would like to see Hakeem Butler do some things. Uh, I wouldn't hate it. I think I think at at some point in his career, people were like, "Oh well, um, he he's the one who made Brock Purdy look good." And um, I, I'm I'm starting to think maybe that wasn't the case. We'll have to um, see. You know, I... we'll have to see. But he's a he's a big guy, six five, two twenty five. Jeez, six five two twenty five. I can see why he was a fourth rounder. Yeah, um, but then uh, I think a, a broken hand is what derailed his uh, NFL career with the Cardinals, and then uh, he hasn't been able to stick anywhere else that he's gone. I mean, that'll do. Um, oh, for sure. Moving on to Orlando, and obviously, a lot of names are going to jump off the page. Um, this is our team. This is this is the team I want to win. This so, is the team that we yes. Uh, 
I, I'm going to start with the non-FCF guys because uh, sure. sure. we could we could talk about it. Paxton Lynch jumps off the page in a bad way. <clears throat> uh, you know, I I still will stand here on my two feet and say Mitch Kidd should have been that third quarterback. Mitch Kidd deserves to be in that room. Paxton Lynch, all he he's gotten five opportunities with five different teams across three different leagues, and he hasn't done much. Um, he, he keeps getting these because he's 6'7", 245. He's, he's a big boy. But I think Mitch Kidd's ball is better. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that because I, that's my opinion. If you disagree, that's okay. Uh, I like the running back room, um, surprisingly. I like you got two young guys. How small it is. It's very small. Like, we only have two there's, guys. There's only two guys. But you know what? When I saw that, I mean, I was, it was it was a little confusing and a little bit jarring at first. But then I was thinking, you know, they have DeAndre Francois at quarterback. Yeah. And I think people people are looking at his his college stats, and as a result, they're underestimating his ability to run the ball. He didn't do too much running when he was in college. Um, or at least he didn't put up a whole lot of rushing yards. Um, but since he's come into his own really in, in FCF, and even a little bit when he was doing uh, the Spring League, yep. he's he's put up more uh, rushing yards as a percentage of his total yards. Um, and so I was thinking, you know, they have, they have him. They have two very good running backs, including Jamain Martin, who put up 23 touchdowns in a single season, uh, when he was at North Carolina A&T. Um, but they've also got, you know, uh, they've got Andrew Jamil and they've got some other guys in the receiver room who, you know, what if what if they start doing some some F, F super back type of things? They're going to get they're going to get funky with it. I mean, they got Dante's Bird who's fast, Jamil who is who, who's crispy clean with the routes. Uh, they got Eli Rogers who been around but it, Really solid guy. And the only dude, they have only three receivers that are over six foot and one receiver that is six foot four. One receiver, Stephen uh, Gildry uh, at, Jr. At 200 pounds. He's the only receiver. Six of their seven pounds. are under 200 pounds. They're under 190. The rest of them are 180 and two are 185. You got one they do have big three, boy. They do have three tight ends, one of whom Cody Latimer was recently converted from receiver and so you could say you know, he can kind of he can kind of flip over between those two but you can also say the same about those receivers and possibly getting them involved in the run game what i love and so you've, you've only got two running backs labeled as such on the orlando roster but that doesn't mean they only have two or three guys who can run the ball what i love about you know so far the orlando team is it's a lot of it's a youth movement you know, you got a lot of guys that were undrafted in 2022. And to me, mm-hmm. I think that's perfect. You want the young guys. You want the guys who are, like, hungry to show that they can make it. Mix yeah. them with the older guys who have been there, you know, who have been on the practice squads, who have been across multiple leagues. They know the game. Right. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, offensively, I think our boys are going to stand out. I think Francois and Jamil, they already got that connection. They already got that chemistry. Oh, yeah. So now they're going to go in there and they're going to ball out. And, you know, looking at the line, I want to Sunday dang. I think he was one of the more underrated linemen when he was in the FCF. I, I think he was on 
Oh, I don't remember what squad, but it was one of the lesser taken squads. Very underrated, but very dominant. Long arms, big hands. He's the tallest lineman there. He's not the heaviest, but he is the tallest because the dude's six seven. You can't you can't get to the quarterback if like a like the dude's arms are keeping you away from even himself. And those hands. Then those hands. Those hands are huge. And I think the other name that pops out to me, I mean, obviously, is Roman Tatum. Roman Tatum, one of the best defensive backs. Uh, oh, wait. Mike Lee. Hold on. Oh. We forgot about Mike Lee. Uh, then... The hardest-hitting man in the FCF. What do They put him at safety. Hell, yeah. Okay. Gotta, uh, this secondary is going to take some heads off. <laughs> We gotta we gotta call up analyst on this. Like, oh, let, let him know about some of these SCF guys. Oh my god! Like, huh? Mike Lee, I think is one of the smarter players. Here's what I want to see for the Orlando Guardians specifically. Nobody else, because the Orlando Guardians are the best team. Call up from the IFL. Arizona Rattlers Defensive Player of the Year. Why is his name escaping me? Right as I'm about to say his name. Dillian Winfrey. Call him up. Put him with Mike. Put him with Mike Lee. Put him with Roman Tatum. Hell, what, what's Quantez Stiggers doing right now? Get him on that team. Build me that secondary. Those four guys alone, unstoppable. And like all these other guys. Ooh, they got a Jackson State dude? Heck yeah. Like, we, we got a good mix. I also see D. Virgin, who, former Patriot, got a shout-out, former Patriots. and Like, I I think this secondary is going to be a problem. I, I kind of want to see... I, I feel like it would be a little foolish if Orlando did not snag up Cecil Cherry. Right. I, 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 think, I think that's someone they got to look at. I don't know who you get rid of, um, but... You can't just let a talent like Cecil mm -hmm. go away. Maybe they clear up a spot on the reserve list. Maybe oh. you just kind of wait until someone gets hurt. Yeah. Not that not that Cecil doesn't deserve that deserve a spot already, but oh, it's 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 tough. It's it tough at least to make those it spots. at least helps you make that choice. It at least makes that choice for you if uh, someone gets hurt. Also, not that out. not that not that I'm I'm hoping for that. Not that I'm hoping oh, yeah. for that. Just. It's football. Oh, yeah. Quick shout happened. out to Johnny Towson, um, the punter, uh, brother of Tommy Towson, who is the Chiefs punter. So, I just think that's Now we go to Broncos. So, on to San Antonio, the Brahmas, and the one thing I got to say mm -hmm. about them, I think I know the least about them. I think I know very little. It'll be it'll be interesting. Um, they put up a tweet, I think, earlier today, saying that tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, the uh, they're going to be announcing team captains and starting quarterback. And if you look at the graphic, you can that they they put up a little bit of a video of what I would assume is the quarterback, and you can tell the number he's wearing is not the number four, and it is not the number seventeen. It is almost unquestionably the number 16, which would indicate to me that Jack Cohn is going to be named the starter for the Brahmas, former Wisconsin and Notre Dame quarterback. We like, we like Notre Dame quarterbacks here. 
Yeah. They don't and, uh, they don't get a lot done, up. but we do like them. Right. And he'll be throwing to a former Notre Dame tight end in math. So um if I if I had to pick a second team at some point I might just go with the Brahmas here. Yeah. This one this I'd know like Brahmas are my surprise team. I don't know much about them, but I'm happy to learn and I'm happy to be surprised. We got. I mean, they have uh, Jalen Tolliver and Jack Patrick, both Tampa Bay Vipers in the 2020 version of the XFL. You got quite a few guys with uh, a variety of NFL experience, such as Kalen Bellage and Dion Yelter. Hell yeah. Yeah. Again, just just absolute surprise to me. I wonder if Jawan Pass is the son of Patrick Pass, because that'd be cool. Patrick Pass it would be Patrick Pass, for, uh, famous fullback for the Patriots, three-time Super Bowl champion. Throwing that out there, but yeah, all right, not a lot. Current, current uh, director of football personnel development with the Massachusetts Pirates. That's right. Good on you. Uh, sorry, San Antonio fans. I got a whole lot of nothing on your team. But good luck to you. Interesting. They have um, their their head coach is um, isn't it Heinz Ward? Yeah. So uh, that that'll be that'll be nice to see how that shakes out. And now we get but yeah. Next we got now we Arlington. Got Arlington, who is my number two team. I like Arlington. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Slaughter. Uh, yeah. Last played for the New Orleans uh, Breakers. I think did good. I think, honestly, in my opinion, deserved that backup role in Jacksonville. Uh, I, I, is he the starter? Is he confirmed the starter? He should be. I don't. I don't think we have any truly confirmed starters yet. We have, you know, some situations where we we think we can pick a guy out. Oh yeah. But uh, I don't know if we've seen any named yet. Uh, Devion Smith, if you remember and you've been following the U- uh, USFL, it was Devion Smith that was the pizza one, right? Yes. Yeah. As as the story seems to go, it, um, it was it was a bad look for for Kirby, but you know what? I hope Devion Smith bounces back and really like you know shows him, hey, I'll eat pizza if I want to. You can't stop me. <laughs> yeah. The question mark with this team for me is the receivers. Um, other than Sal Canella, the tight end, I'm not totally sure I know a whole lot about these guys. Um, you do. Which I, I, it would make sense given how uh, Bob Stoops coached the last iteration of the Renegades and Donald Parham was one of their main pass catchers and he was also a tight end. Um, so maybe we see something similar there. I just, I don't know a whole, a whole lot about these guys just yet. What I am interested to see is a lot of these uh, linebackers. Um, again, I'm incredibly biased, and I will not change. Um, I look at a lot of these linebackers, and, uh, you know, my uncle, my great uncle is the linebacker coach for the Arlington Renegades, and... I want to see. I want to see what this what this group does. We got guys that you know you may know, like Donald Payne. Um, you got a draft eligible guy in Willie Taylor. I was about to say yeah. uh, Willie Taylor. That's gonna be interesting. Uh, you're not you're not gonna see a whole lot of that in 
uh, in the XFL, I don't think, compared to the USFL because of the timing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think with the USFL, you'll see uh, some guys who don't get drafted because the, the season there is taking place, will be taking place during the draft. And so I think maybe you'll see some guys who don't get drafted and don't even, you know, get too many calls from the NFL. They'll be signing up with some USFL teams. Do but we, here, do we see Willie? It's Taylor a little bit play? more for. A, hmm. Do we see Willie Taylor play if he's draft eligible? Because I don't know. Uh, that's gonna be interesting. It's it's big risk, big reward. Maybe there because yeah. you know you show off what you got, but you could also you also get hurt. Get hurt and. That that could uh, that could at least reduce some of your opportunities, depending on you know if you're looking for an opportunity where a team needs to put you in right now versus uh, if they can afford to you know build you up. Oh, yeah. I think they situational ball. I think they put him in good spots to really let him shine. And I, I if they're mm-hmm. smart, they let him you know maybe maybe lean more on a lot of the older guys, especially at the outside position. And let Willie come in for like good situations to like really let him shine, get some good film, and like maybe even who knows, get drafted. Like that'd be the best yeah. thing you could do for this kid right now. Yeah. And then obviously there's the biggest name arguably on Arlington, and that's Marquette King. Mm-hmm. One of the best punters I've ever seen. Had a perfect punt for Seattle that I believe in St. Louis. I did it again. St. Louis that was botched, but with the exception of the dude that messed it up, one of the best punters that I think we'll ever see, and honestly, the fact that no one has given him a call yet. Patriots! Patriots! We need a punter! Call up Marquette King! I'll happily take Marquette King. We'll have to see how he does in this season. Oh, yeah. Then we got the Houston Roughnecks. And this is going to be interesting because there, there's some there's some aspects to the quarterback situation that I hadn't really thought of before. Oh yeah, um, pop off. You have Brandon Silvers, mm-hmm. who was with the Seattle Dragons at the time in 2020, uh, and June Jones, who was the OC over there. Uh, I, it, it, anyway, did did a I, I need to get this straight? Did he move one way or the other? No, he. Okay, okay, he's with Seattle now. Never mind. Um, either way, it'll be interesting to see how this quarterback situation shakes out. Honestly, um, it, when it comes to the quarterback situation in Houston, I think the start's going to Cole McDonald. Yeah, I was, I was, I was almost about to say if it were June Jones that uh, Cole McDonald would have a familiarity with that situation because uh, actually the head coach for Cole McDonald when he was in college was one of June Jones's old quarterbacks from his time at Hawaii. But apparently that's not the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, as much as I'd love to see Caleb Elby get some time to shine, it might be hard to, to do, to outdo both these guys, at least going in, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, Cole McDonald and Brandon Silvers don't quite have what it seems like they have coaches right now and LB gets that chance but it's definitely one of the deeper quarterback rooms so uh before we get into Bryson Ali and we got to get into uh, Bryson Ali we actually missed an FCF player oh that's Cedric Cedric Bird teammate teammate of Bryson Ali in season two 
Uh, I, I, honestly. Do we call these what? How do how do we work that into the name here? Are they the Glacier Necks here? The Glacier. Necks. Yeah, I I like Glacier Necks. We're gonna we're gonna. I, I prefer it to Rough Boys. I I also prefer it to Rough Boys. <laughs> oh. I mean honestly with Cedric Bird you're getting a fast kid. You're getting a guy that um you could run a jet sweep with, you could beeline down the field. Uh, I like him. I I want to see how they're going to use him. But really what I want to see is Bryson Elliott. I want to see them really utilize Bryson. I think he was one of the more consistent runners in FCF. Mm. I think he was he really showed off like his good footwork his good moves. I think he can really be something special. Uh if they if they feed him the ball, but it's a, it's a pretty big uh running back room and uh, not including Garrett Owens, the fullback. You got three other dudes with you. I I don't know what's going to happen with that, but I you I got, you go for one, it. one of the guys you got there is Nick Holly, who was uh a pretty good big component of the Roughnecks offense in 2020. He's also a former Kent State quarterback turned wide receiver, and we've seen how, how those have turned out in other leagues before. Uh, you might know who I'm referring to. I do not. I really thought about it there for a second, and I'm like, mm. you, you know the story of former uh, Kent State quarterback Julian Edelman? Oh, golly. I'm a fool. <laughs> My, I am absolutely a fool. You got me. You've been a fool. I have been fooled. I I, I um, what other names like kind of pop out to you? Well, what's interesting? Hold up, is this right? Do the Redbacks mm -hmm. not have tight ends? No. Uh, well, there there are a couple teams where um, they have maybe guys who could fill that spot, but uh, uh, they they have a fullback listed, and I think Garrett Owens could maybe kind of fill that position as needed. Uh, the the tight end situation. Um, I believe Seattle also has that going. Where uh, we'll get to that in a bit, but they have a guy who's listed as a fullback, but he's got a number on his uniform that would uh, be more more for a tight end. All right, uh, let's let's plow through these next two. Um, sure, sure. Las Vegas, obviously, Louis Perez, XFL stud. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think. Oh, I want. I don't want to say runaway starter because Brett Hundley's pretty good, but they brought him in. They brought him Hundley to uh, to compete uh, I and think... not be a locker room cancer like the last guy. Uh, Martavius Bryant, great, um, big dude, uh, tall. Geronimo Allison. Geronimo, one of the best names in football. Got it. Got to say it. Uh -huh. Geronimo. Uh, Former first rounder, uh, Vic Beasley. Oh yeah, that's also right. Clemson. Yep. Yep. Oh man, Vic Beasley's gonna be. I think he's gonna terrorize some people, uh, especially. He's gonna be a beastly. I. He's gonna be beastly. Uh, yeah. Seattle. Ben Danucci. Uh, he might start. Uh, he got some good time in Dallas, um, but I can right. see Montez really pushing for it. I, I think with with Montez having been on the Detroit Lions practice squad for a bit towards the end of the NFL season slash uh, start of XFL camp. I think that might end up in Danucci and Edge. Plus, he's been a big uh, a, a boon for the Sea Dragons on social media. I think a lot of their engagement is coming from the, the prospect of seeing Danucci. So it'll be it'll be hard to 
to unseat him. Uh, Brendan Knox is my highest rated uh, running back out of anyone in this in the on the rosters right now. Oh wow! Uh, young Nyetta Marshall. Yeah, has a little bit of NFL experience, but uh, apparently hasn't been the right experience. Uh, Josh Gordon. Josh, that receiver. I mean, yeah, I you know good for him still going at 31. I mm-hmm. think he's still got a little bit little bit left in the tank. Um enough to make it back to the NFL, I think for a wide receiver hungry team, yes, but I don't think long term. But definitely and, uh, like a really good mentor for some of these younger guys. And actually uh the 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 highest receiver on my green. Mm. Uh, D3 national championship winning quarterback is, is a receiver for the Sea Dragons. So they've got a lot of interesting things there. Heck yeah. What, anything, uh, anything good on defense? I That's the part. Like Defensive players always kind of like fly under the radar, I think, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, to all the defensive people, if you're listening in, you know, fans of the show, make a statement. We want to see you. We want to hear you. We want to. We want to watch you. And we want to. When you hit somebody, we want to go. Who's that guy? We want it to be impossible to ignore you. Exactly. Because like right now, they just advertise offensive players. Use that as fuel. Make us remember mm-hmm. your name. Um. Let's see. Oh. Uh. So I don't know if you saw, but during the Super Bowl, the XFL site crashed due to high levels of like. I did not hear that. That was. I heard that Philadelphia was without a uh, Comcast. About about half the city was without Comcast for a bit before the game. Oh God, I can only imagine what that would have been like. Um, and we mentioned the USFL ad during the Super Bowl. I, I I think that's just good for football in general. You know, I know they yeah. threw a little shade, but like I think that's great. Right. For football, I think you need and that. It's just, I mean, that it's not as if I would not expect them to take that angle, but it is a little weird for uh, for you know if people are are still hungry for football at this point, they'll go looking and they'll figure it out. So, um, I'm really excited about this next bit. Um, uh, I I really I really think it's funny. Um, so uh, you're going to grade my XFL draft. Uh, now, a little bit of Your context. Fantasy draft. My XFL fantasy draft. It's 10 rounds. Um, this draft was uh, hand-built, so uh, some of the players that are in the XFL were not available. Um, it's, it's like your HTML thing. It's Some players that were cut were still available to draft. Some players that weren't cut were not available. Um, so mm-hmm. there's a reason why I don't have Andrew Jamil. He's not cut. I couldn't draft him. So uh, round one, easiest pick of my life. I had the second pick. I took DeAndre Francois. And however you want to grade it, zero to ten, you know, the letter grading, like first pick in the first, second pick in the first round, DeAndre Francois, what are your thoughts? I mean, I I am of the, the school of thought that you don't usually go quarterback that early. Yeah, depending on... Depending on how this thing is being scored, and you know, I I could see that being a good choice. Um, I mean, I I don't usually go quarterback so early in a draft, um, but I can see why 
you know, as far as if you wanted to do a quarterback at the at the second pick of a fantasy draft, and, and depending on depending on how this whole thing is being scored, especially um, with with the way that it looks like Orlando's offense is going to be run, especially their rushing offense, I think Francois provides a good a good uh, floor at, at the very least um, with with how much he'll probably be running the ball in addition to throwing it. All right. What's your overall grade? Final like final grade on Francois round one. I'm gonna say seven just because I don't usually I usually go with with a, a running back right. uh, up top. In the second round with the eleventh pick, I took Bryson Ali. Mm. Had to. I'm I'm, sen- I'm sensing a theme here. Oh, it's you're gonna sense it. It's it's there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that's pretty good. It, um, it'll be interesting to see how the running backs room for the Roughnecks shakes out. Um, because there's a couple other good guys in there in addition to Aline, but I'd say that's a, that's a good choice. I'd, I'd give that an eight, I think. All right. And now, so we're gonna go to the third round, and I want to just say, at the time I drafted him, I did not know he was cut, and that is. Third round, fourteenth pick, Patrick Smith, wide receiver. <laughs> hey, that that would have been a good pick, I think. I um, think so too. If it if it didn't end up not panning out, I think uh, Patrick Smith would be one of the could have been one of the the top targets in that offense. Um, I think I'll have to give you a five because you drafted so early, though. Yeah. In, in 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 the calendar sense. That's that's fair. I've never been good at the order. I just draft the people that I like and who I think will play good. Number. F- it works out a little bit better with the NFL to to draft in like April, and then if it's a public league, you just hope that everyone else forgets about it by the time the season hits and you're golden. True. Fourth round, twenty third pick, Josh Gordon. Hmm. Had to do I it. like that. I had to do yeah, it. I mean, I think for for the reasons that you you mentioned earlier, um, it'll be interesting to see how things go. But you can expect him to be one of the top targets to start the season. Oh, yeah. and then depending on how that how that goes, um, I'd say I'd say that's that's good for for that later round. And I'd say, hmm. I'd say I'd say a seven. Okay, I'll take a seven. There may be still questions about you know how often he's been playing lately and how how he's you know not getting any younger, but still still a pretty good pick. Oh yeah, round five, pick twenty six, Puka Williams. Oh. I'm big on Puka. yeah. I'd I like say, Puka. Yeah, I'd say he's he's up there in my running back. Um, he'll have to fight off Abram Smith because he's also in my top running backs it'll for be, the league. It'll be tough. Abram, yeah, Abram's for sure. <laughs> but um, but I mean, with, with Puka being labeled as a running back and receiver on the, uh, at least in the XFL analyst Google Doc, um, I, I think that provides a good, you know, he'll be used a lot of different ways. And I think that provides opportunity for fantasy value. So... I, I give that an eight. 
I, I think I'm going to lose points for Maybe my... a nine. Ooh. Hey, I'll take a nine. I'm gonna yeah. lose. I'm gonna lose points for these next two, though. Um, okay. I so this is another one where I did not know they were placed on reserve, um, mm. uh, and that's round six, pick number thirty-five, Kahale wearing tight end for the mm. defenders. Yeah, I I think they just cut him, but I'm not. He's he's totally still sure on me. reserve as far as I know, which means mm. there's a chance. <laughs> It might be injured reserve. Yikes. <laughs> what row raggy. Um, but I mean, third round pick in 2019, if he's, when he's there, he's good. Oh, yeah. In, in a lot of situations. So, um, I'd say balancing those out, I'd give it a six. Okay. And this next one, I knew he was cut, didn't care. I love the man, uh, and I'm going to draft him no matter what. Tommy Oje in the seventh round for the 38th pick. Don't care that he got yeah. cut, doesn't matter. He's on my team, and he's going to ride the bench throughout the whole season. I love Tommy Oje. He's a great dude, and he's a great tight end. Yeah, we love the guy. <laughs> What you, what, I'm what going to give you. Yeah. I'm going to give you points for following your heart, Kyle. <laughs> I'll take them. I'll take. I'll take the points of believing. I need to. I need to decide how many though. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you eleven. Eleven points for believing. That's that's following your dreams, kids. And then I actually this mm -hmm. next pick I think is really good. The eighth pick. Forty uh eighth round, forty seventh pick, Dantes Bird. Hmm. I think that's not cool. Cedric Bird. Not Cedric Bird. Not BJ Bird. Not BJ. There were a lot of birds in this. Not there were a lot of birds in this uh in this draft. There were or in this And they were all receivers, weren't they? Yep, and they're all or fast. Those three. But uh yeah, I mean Dantes, uh receiver for the Guardians. Has a lot of experience all over the place. Um, you know, it, I, I think that's given how far you are at at this point in the draft. I think that's a good uh, depth pick, if nothing else. Depending on how things shake out over there, you know, you can expect that uh, that Jamil will be getting a lot of targets from Francois. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but you know. It, it doesn't hurt to have options, and so I think Bird could could be the word. He could be an option there if they want to mix stuff up. So I give that I give that a seven, considering uh, a seven or an eight, considering the point in the draft that you were at. All right, this one's a real easy one. You need a kicker. You need one. Ninth round, fiftieth mm -hmm. pick, Jose Borgales. Kicker for the Guardians. Mm. Yes. I might have butchered that name. I, I think that's. I think that's. I, I think you might have butchered other names worse earlier. So probably. You get credit for for this one. Um, <laughs> Here we go. I mean. Yeah. Sounds sounds fine to me. Uh, I remember hearing good things about him when he was in college, and then I don't know where he's. I don't know what happened between. That and 
where we are now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can give it a five just because I'm kind of ambivalent. True. Um, and with my last pick, 10th round, 59th pick, this was the second to last pick overall. I was going to take Austin Prohl. I got snubbed. Very salty about that. Uh, I took Louis Perez for the Vipers. Luis, uh, I will never not mention that he was a bowler in high school. Um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that how that uh, quarterback battle between him and Hundley ends up going. Um, I think with Perez, you get a pretty solid four. I'm not sure how high the ceiling is though, so. It's good. To, it's good to have him on your roster, but it's it's also good that you're not necessarily depending on him to go out and win you fantasy games. I guess. Oh yeah. I think he'll be solid. Um, but it also depends on if he ends up getting the job at all. Definitely. You know, I, I think they're paying they're paying Hunley pretty big money to come in, and so. Uh, Definitely going to have to rework a lot of these guys, um, knowing what I know. And that's how fantasy works. That is how fantasy Mm. works. And before we leave you, who, what are predictions for the season? I obviously, I think we're going to get a a full season. And I think we're just, we'll we'll start big. Big brain it. Who's winning it all? Who's taking home that XFL Cup championship bowl game? I was... So I was looking at it first in terms of, um, you know, the the, the divisions, mm-hmm. the divisions that these teams are in. Okay. And so you have the Texas teams and Orlando in the South. And if I'm looking at that, I mean, for one thing, I think that's maybe the weaker of the divisions. Oh yeah, Guardians have taken that, no question. <laughs> I could I could see them at least making the playoff. Um. And. I have questions about Arlington, and I have questions about San Antonio. So I'm going to say Houston and Orlando make the playoffs out of the South. Okay. Um, I don't think, I mean, there's there's no reason to assume that this Houston is going to be as good as the, the 2020 Houston that went undefeated, although it was only in five games. Um, I still think they can make the, the championship. So I'm gonna I'm gonna build it up. I'm gonna say Houston makes the championship. Okay. Um. But but my my champ pick is probably gonna be whoever I get at the north here. Or yeah. Um. What do you think you met the south though? I mean, I, other than Orlando. I mean, I'm gonna go with Orlando, and I I'm gonna go with my biased answer. Um. This <laughs> is based on no data. This is based purely on who I like. Uh, I think it's going to be Orlando and Arlington. Okay. I it's that's that's my incredibly biased. I'm not going to go into any no further questions, Your Honor. Orlando is going to win it. Orlando uh, Arlington's going to take the number two. And what are you thinking about the North? That one's tougher. Um, I I like DC. I like their squad they got together. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. stuck between St. Louis and Vegas, and I think I'm going to give it more so to St. Louis. And I think DC is going to going to win the North. St. Louis is going to be number two, and 
I think our championship's going to be Orlando and St. Louis. Hmm. I, I, I sniff an upset. I think okay. St. Louis is going to surprise people come playoff time. And I think championship Orlando-St. Louis, Orlando's taking it because Orlando is great. Actually, <laughs> a lot. I, I guess I'm a lot higher on Seattle than you are. I would say, even though I like uh, St. Louis, and I think, you know, that, that I think the North could end up being a situation where you have maybe a third-place team with a better record than whoever's in second in the South. Um, I think it'll be DC and Seattle in the in the North Championship, and I'm inclined to say DC as well there. But it'll I think that that'll be a more contentious uh, matchup, and it could end up uh, coming down to whoever ends up getting the home field for that, because as we know, unlike USFL, these these teams playing in the cities in their names this year. Although the USFL is getting a little bit better about that, um, they're putting in some hubs. But uh, on that note, with uh, with DC and Houston, I think I have to give it to DC. Like I was saying, I think I have to give it to whoever I take out of the north. Hell so. yeah! Well, thank you all for listening. You heard us. You know, we picked up the Freddie line. We heard what we. What the updates were, we dived into the Super Bowl. We dived hella deep into the XFL. And we graded my obviously amazing championship-winning fantasy team. And we set Indisputably in. amazing. Indisputably. You can't even argue it. And we have set our predictions. Maybe not in stone. We'll see. We could, it could change. Except the yeah. Orlando Guardians are going to win it all. That won't change. Well, we'll, uh, I'm ready we'll that in up. stone right now. Yeah, well, we'll we will almost certainly pick this up again in the middle of the season, uh, revisit some of these, and uh, figure out, you know, where we think things are headed after we have a little bit more evidence. But for now, I'm Freddie, he's Staff, and we gotta go. This has been a presentation of the Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. If you'd like to create a podcast or live stream show with us, please reach out at content at fcf.io.